Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Now I invite you to settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies. And our time together here is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, so let's get started for today. First of all, if you hear some noises outside the window, it is a beautiful spring day here, but it is very windy and there are some branches that are hitting the, the window. So I hope you just enjoy that vicariously with me, know, knowing that spring is coming. This week's podcast is titled Falling in Love with Jesus Again, and the subtitle is Redefining Your Christian Faith. So I want to start by offering a quote from an article that I read in preparation for, for this podcast. And the quote goes like this, we are mystics in the making. We are mystics in the making. I love that. But for those of you who may not have heard the word mystic or mysticism or understand any much about that, that's what we're going to explore today. Because for so many of us, the contextual Jesus, the one that we learned from through our religious heritage may not be the one that you have found out here once you became unchurched, once you started down the spiritual but not religious journey, or maybe you're stuck in this place where you decided to leave religion because it can no longer hold your spirituality, or maybe you were suffering from some kind of religious trauma but your belief system is still stuck in a religion, in a, in a belief in Jesus that's mired in your religion. So today is an invitation to say, perhaps there's a different, another way to look at Jesus, to look at Christianity. So that's what today is about. So by the end of this podcast, I hope you have a little bit of a deeper understanding of what mysticism is, what it means to be exploring the path of the mystic. Now, I'll also tell you that this podcast could easily be two to three hours long. I spent so many hours researching and decided just what lane I was going to go down because it's easy to bounce around and get sidetracked. But today, like I said, it's just an invitation to explore. We are not going to try to get into a lot of detail just start opening some doors so that hopefully you will become more interested to explore different ways to understand Jesus. So just a reminder, as I always do, because I just, if you follow me, you know that sometimes in the comments, we get a lot of comments and concerns about our teachings being the wrong teachings, our understanding of the Bible being the wrong way to understand the Bible. That is not why we're here. And we're not here to open up a debate. Depending on your scholarly or your spiritual path will dictate how the Bible speaks to you, will dictate the lessons in the, in the Bible for you. So we are here talking to the unchurched, the ones who are choice, whether it's by choice or whether they were, they were forced to leave for those who left and could no longer identify with the God, the Jesus, the Holy Spirit that you found inside religion. So our message is one of an expansive spirituality that transcends religion's need to define spirituality and oftentimes takes spirituality 
hostage. So this message is for you, the unchurched, the spiritual but not religious, the seeker, the spiritual nomad, the one who intuitively knows that no system is the entirety of, of the spirituality experience that is available for we humans. And today is an invitation to, to take a journey inward. But it's also a day where I need to forewarn you because it's the kind of subject that can rattle you, my friends. I know it did me because here's why. We have been looking the wrong way. Let me say that again. We have been looking the wrong way. Now, let me explain why I say that. Because if you were like me, you were taught to study the Bible in a specific way. And for many of us, that was believing that the Bible was infallible. It was inerrant. It was, it, it was contextual in the sense that everything in, that, in the Bible that's written down happened. But I believe that Jesus knew that was our human nature, that we would always look to try to figure out where are the rules that's contained in living, but also in our spirituality, which that is why I believe that Jesus taught in parables because parables were an effective means of teaching and popular at the time. And they still are today. If we look at children's stories, like the first one that came to mind for me when I was writing this was the giving tree. Now that's not just a children's story. That's a moral story. That's an ethical story. It's a spiritual story because it's about giving unconditionally, loving unconditionally, loving beyond our human understanding. Jesus taught in those kinds of settings to invite us to look beyond the, the need to dissect every word. Because if you ask someone to take a parable that Jesus taught, if you take 10 people, there's a very good chance that 10 people are going to take that parable and focus on something differently, depending on their own life experiences, depending on their own beliefs, depending on their own values. And I think that's beautiful because once you put it all together and you return to those parables again and again and again, they become a different, they have different meanings. They become a different story. And little by little, they start to pile up so that you see the entirety of the experience. So even though that was a very much a, a, a way to teach in Jesus' time, it still has a lot of a lot of meaning and inspiration to us today. But when we spiral into debate about the veracity of scripture and all events as, li as literal or figurative, then we lose sight of some of the most important teachings of Jesus. And sadly, we've killed people for years because of just that. What is our right to dictate how you're going to interpret scripture. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a, in a minute, but it also happens in, in the now in today on social media, especially when I'm dealing with an informed subject and I'm bringing receipts. So I'm talking about something where I have researched it. I understand the scripture to, to mean this way or what how, how the scripture speaks to us today. How does, how does Jesus life speak to us today? And a lot of times what happens in those comments is that the people who oppose my view aren't challenging my view. They're challenging my character. 
they're pointing people away from the actual topic and distracting us with insults, with vitriol, or warning people not to listen to me with no, with, without backing it up. That, that, is, that is trained. They are trained to, to respond that way, but it's also very much a distraction and let, unless you can look past it, which is what I do, and I hope others will as well. But the point of that is that that's exactly what I think Jesus was hoping to avoid when he taught us in, in parables. So oftentimes in the past, religion has demanded that we believe one way or the other. And like I said, they went to war to protect it. We know that the Inquisition, the Crusades, and if you even just look at Queen Mary, you want to know how she got the title Bloody Mary? It's because of everyone that she killed. Once her father died, King Henry VIII, she came into power and wanted to restore Catholicism and take them away from Protestantism and the Church of England that King Henry had established. She killed people to do it. She was angry and she was bitter because she saw what had been done in the name of religion because her father was then established this church so that he could divorce his mother and go on to marry Queen Anne. So in her mind, there was nothing more evil than Protestantism and the Church of England. So what did she do? She turned right around and did exactly what her father did. She created, she did, a, she had a, made a horrible mistake by starting to kill people during that time. You can also look at the time of the Protestant Reformation, where there were wars fought over whether or not the Eucharist, which is the Lord's Supper or communion, um, whatever you want to call it, actually transformed into the physical body of Jesus when you drank it or you, did, or you took the bread. Or people said, well, no, it's just a figurative, a figurative way to look at it. It's just symbolic. Other people said, yes, it did. And they went to war and killed each other over this. What is wrong? That's why sometimes when I see where we are in our, where we are right now in 2021, can anybody look back to the, back in the past to see the horrible times where religion tried to suffocate human rights and the right to believe to see how dangerous this time is. You only have to look at the roadmap to see which side of history you are on. And I can tell you, and I obviously I have to get on my soapbox every once in a while, every once in a while, but if we're not fighting for the entirety of human rights, we're on the wrong side of history off the soapbox right now. So I love Marcus Borg and I'll put a link in the show notes, which by the way, Mackenzie, who's wonderful, the, the person who takes care of getting all this loaded, I always give her a, just a whole bunch of, of show notes to be able to upload. Thank you so much for doing that. But Marcus Boy, Borg is a, was a wonderful mystic, wonderful writings. Look at any of his books to find someone who can inspire you and get, walk you deeper into a deeper understanding of what it means to be a mystic. And one of the things that he wrote was that he understood that scripture was about accepting the symbolic interpretations of anything that you cannot explain. Anything in today that we that's not relatable, that's not tangible, that's not something that's happening in the now, it can we look at it as symbolic interpretations so that we can still claim it as something that's relevant to us? And he gave the example, he said, at least once I had a vision of my father and was able to talk to him. I think many people could and would have these experiences, but were somehow taught to give them no significance or not to see them at all. 
But if we believe in the true time of Jesus and the apostles, they would have embraced these their, those experiences. So in other words, there's an invitation to understand that we have more mystical experiences that are occurring in our lives that actually Jesus provided a segue for, a portal into the mystical and the language that he used during his, his brief ministry of three years was certainly symbolic of that. Okay, I want to pause for a minute and just give you a, a definition of what mysticism is, and I'm just going to pull this right out of some... Um, I think, theological research that I have. It says mysticism is a doctrine of an immediate spiritual intuition of truths believed to transcend ordinary understanding or of a direct intimate union of the soul with God through contemplation or ecstasy. I just love that. So this doctrine of belief goes, is connected to the intuitive. And what does the intuitive immediately tell you, or at least what it tells me, is that it's personal. It's individual. It's not about someone giving you a roadmap to understand it. It's looking at scripture or the divine experience, whatever it is, and understanding how is it resonating with you. This is where I, this is where I truly believe that religion starts to lose its way. When it forces you to try to believe the scriptures and, and forces your belief into being conditional. You have to believe this way in order to be, to be chosen, to be included, to be accepted. Then you are blessed with the community. I feel like that's always been backwards. The community should exist regardless of your belief. That's spirituality. So I would hope that religion can, would continue to expand into a more expansive spirituality instead of shrinking into what we're seeing today. And that's becoming highly politicized, especially here in America. So what mysticism does, it moves us beyond our mere mortal understanding because we're never going to get that right. It's going to continue to change. If you think about what we know just from on a scientific level, but also as we evolve, and I know I've said this countless times, but thank goodness that we no longer live in an era where we sacrifice children to please the gods. We don't do that anymore because we now understand the compassion of humanity and the value of children and that it has nothing to do with the divine nature of, of the mysterious universal source energy called God that those two are not connected. So we are evolving and we're constantly growing and moving into a higher level of consciousness. Whether or not you want to think of that as being new thought or too, too woo-woo-y or too new, new agey, it's the reality of what we know, of who we are, because we don't do those things that we did thousands of years ago. We are different people. We don't, we don't migrate from place to place and just leave the old people to starve to death because they're going to be too much of a hindrance. We don't do those things anymore. So why wouldn't our religious, our spiritual understandings also change? That's what mysticism invites you to do because you are a different person than your ancestors. Yes, you are collectively carrying their DNA and yes, you are collecti collectively carrying their ancestral wisdom. And I believe on some infinite, unexplainable, mystical realm, you are still connected to them as, as all of us are. But that is where we have the incapacity 
We are incapable of grasping all of the different ways that we are connected to the divine. So that's that invitation to say who I am now based on where I have come from, where my ancestral heritage has come from, what I know, what I've studied, what is mysticism inviting me to understand about the divine, about my life right now, this physical vessel that I am, uh, that I am with the soul that's attached to it. Who am I and what am I being called to do? So what mysticism also invites us to do is to release the need to control that narrative. And that's still something that I, 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 it almost pains me to see how many people will comment repeatedly the same kind of thing about wanting to control how people believe. And if we don't, how insulting and derogatory and condemning and persecuting and dehumanizing they get. And somehow they think that's good that somehow that's going to change someone's mind and compel them to follow your way, when in reality, it's the complete opposite. So mysticism is an invitation to let go of that narrative and how other people are experiencing their spiritual walk, their spiritual journey. Because I always use this analogy, and it's certainly not mine. A lot of people do. I, I envision this path up a mountain and we're all going and some of the paths paths are covered. You can't see them, but others are on this journey with you. Whether you like it or not, we are all going up the same mountain. You can't kick other people off the off the mountain just because you don't agree with them. It doesn't work that way. You don't have the authority or the power to do so. So we're going up the mountain with you with you whether you like it or not. And I would like to see that change. I hope it does. But for now, we continue to move towards those who want to hear this message and want to deconstruct from religious abuse, who want to untangle from religious beliefs that no longer serve their highest good. So the first thing that we ask you to do is release the need to control the narrative. And we also ask you, invite you, and I have to tell myself sometimes this as well, let's not argue about the inarguable. And the inarguable is we will always fall short of understanding the entirety of the mystery of God. We will always fall short of understanding that. We do not have the human understanding. We do not have the human capacity to even voice the the right words. We do not. We have a snapshot of where we are right now in time. And that's different than what our ancestors had. And it's going to be different 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now when some of us will no longer be here. So why are we arguing about the inarguable? Why are we wasting any time with that? Why would we waste any minute of our lives arguing about the inarguable? arguable when there is so much work here to do that I believe Jesus was calling us to do. But in order to do that, in order to let go of the narrative, in order to to let go of the need to argue about the inarguable, we must be willing to release what we think we know to be truth. We must be willing to release what we think we know to be truth. No matter what I'm doing, no matter where I am, I am bringing my own bias. 
Now we we're going to talk about this here. Y'all, y'all can go ahead and press stop, and I'm going to I'm going to keep preaching because it's a very tender subject for white people when we start talking about biases. But biases we're bringing them with us all the time. It doesn't necessarily have to be about race, but we're bringing it about religion. We're bringing it about where people eat, what clothes they wear. Immediately you see somebody dressed in a certain amount, you make certain clothes, you make judgments about that person. So there's no way you are not bringing biases into your, into your situation. Even if you're in a place where you're trying to deconstruct from religious beliefs or you're entrenched in your religious beliefs, this is about bias. I can have someone immediately know everything they want, know about me in a, I can do a 60 second video on TikTok and someone will make a comment that's irrelevant to the content of the video. It's so off base about who I am and what I believe what I do, where I've come from, but they have completely put me into a box without any foundation whatsoever. But the truth is, we all do that. So I, I have a, a story to share with you. We, we are getting ready to announce an online store. I'm so excited. We get so many requests for supplies, resources, all of that. So you know what? We have the store coming. So it's coming very soon, and I'm very excited. You'll be hearing more about it in a, in a couple of weeks. But we have these beautiful cards and they're called psalm cards. And, and so these are kind of like uh, inspirational cards that you use. You will pull one and in them will be, will, on it will be a, just a beautiful hand-painted piece of art, but also a, a psalm. And then you can turn to the Bible, you can read this, and that can be your inspiration for the day. So it's a wonderful way to bring, to bring sacredness into your spiritual practice and a different way to connect with sacred scripture. So it's very good for the person who's who's considered the who's on a spiritual but not religious path and looking for different ways to bring the sacred into their homes. So I'm looking at this and I'm I'm kind of playing with the cards and I realize that the the numbering system is off. My first thought was this is this is broken. I'm going to have to return all these cards because this is wrong. This is a mistake. And I, I, I was already thinking like, well, we could put a def- definition because they seem to be like one or two off, but close enough that you could go through the, the book of Psalms and find, find the scripture, but this is off. That'll feel really weird. And something made me pause for a minute and step back and go, okay, wait, something's off. And then I remembered that the author of these cards had rabbi in front of his name. I had made a biased judgment about these cards based on my Christian experience because the Christian Bible, even though it's the, so that what the, what the Christians call the old Testament is actually the Hebrew Bible for the Jewish people. So when the Christians took over and put the old Testament with the new Testament, it got renumbered the Hebrew Bible is numbered differently. It's set differently. And, and he explains that at the beginning of the book that he put that goes along with these cards. I felt horrible. And then I realized that I still filtered something through a belief system that I no longer identified with. But I was grateful that I paused for a minute before I acted on it to inform him that his cards were wrong. How arrogant of me to have assumed that 
When in reality, especially as someone who's an interfaith, inner spiritual minister, I welcome this expansive table of spirituality is about welcoming this rabbi and his gift to the world as he sees it through his faith. So sometime we'll talk more about religious appropriation and why that's very important, that very often you'll hear me say what the Christians call the Old Testament, because I want to make make sure I'm making space for the Hebrew Bible that is still very much alive and sacred to the Jewish people who often don't use their voices when how often this is appropriated because they see it as futile. So it's very important for when we start to talk about these cards that we understand they're coming through through the context of a of someone who, from a Jewish set of eyes and he's offering this gift to the world regardless of what faith you are and it is beautiful. There was a bias I had and now I've released it. But it's so important for us to be willing to share our stories just like I did, but understand that we have these biases because no matter how much of us, how much we desire to say we want to walk the path of mysticism, we want to begin a more contemplative spiritual practice that expands our table of spirituality so that more people who don't think like, love like, look like, vote like, live where we do, or believe like we do is invited to our table, we're always going to have those biases. So there's always going to be layers of deconstructing that we do. As long as we are breathing, we are learning. As long as we are breathing, we should be willing to continue to look what else can we do so that when we face the world, we are giving them our highest good. We are giving the world our highest good. And that can only come from a space of willingness to know that we don't know everything. So from a mystical mystical standpoint, that's a perfect union. The heart that wants to heal and know that that's a heal that that healing is not ever anything that's ever just completely healed. It's a it's active. It continues throughout our entire life and the and the mystic who who says my soul is continuing to expand. My, in the physical, my heart is healing and my soul is expanding. Do you see here? And it's, it's active. It's continuing to go as we move into our lives and into the world. Okay. That got sideways, but I liked where that went. So just remember that it's not a rejection of who you are. It isn't. It's about embracing the things that you want to change and, and letting go of the things that no longer serve your highest good. So, all right. So we talked a little bit uh, already about going up the mountain. So I'm going to um, skip that, but I do have a quote from uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And if you don't know uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, I invite you, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm not sure it's there uh, yet, McKenzie, but I'll put a link in the show notes to his book, Living Buddha, Living Christ. And this is where this quote is coming from. But he he writes, and I quote, 20 years ago at a conference I attended of theologians and professors of religion, an Indian Christian friend told the assembly, we are going to hear about the beauties of several traditions, but that does not mean that we are going to make fruit salad. In um, That was what the person quoted. Continuing to quote Thich Nhat Hanh, When it came my turn to speak, I said, fruit salad can be delicious. I have shared the Eucharist with Father Daniel Berrigan and our worship worship became possible because of the sufferings we Vietnamese and Americans shared over the many years. 
some of the Buddhists present were shocked to hear I had participated in the Eucharist. And again, the Eucharist is uh, the communion. And many Christians seem truly horrified. To me, religion, religious life is life. I do not see any reason to spend one's whole life tasting just one kind of fruit. We human beings can be nourished by the best values of many traditions. End quote. I love that. Thinking about religious traditions, but also just spiritual traditions. Remember, spiritual but not religious, inner faith, inner spiritual, what can be found inside religion can also be found outside, is, is just a, it's just a beautiful, welcoming way to look at how we all should be in community with one another. So this fruit salad of mysticism, maybe I'm going to have to have a bowl of fruit, put a bowl of fruit on my altar so that I remember this, that would be a great, that would be a great summer solstice uh, bowl of fruit, just to think about that. But the fruit salad of mysticism brings you closer to the divine when we let go of trying to hold on to another's path, to another's understanding, because it can be different no matter, no matter who it is. Now, there is a song by a contemporary Christian artist. Um, his name is Jason Gray, and the song is Falling in Love. And it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to give you the, the words. I need more than a truth to believe. I need a truth that lives and moves and breathes that sweeps me off my feet. It's got to be more like falling in love than something to believe in. More like losing my heart than giving my allegiance. Called up, called out. Come take a look at me now. It's like I'm fallen. It's like I'm falling in love. Mysticism is releasing the need to control, accepting that we'll never fully understand, and falling in love with the concept of a divine experience anyway. This is actionable. These are things that we do to heal our heart and expand our soul. I've often said that if I knew how much work, true soul work, was going to be, out here in this spiritual but not religious wilderness, I think I would have stayed asleep. Now, I'm just joking, but it is work. And I remember after I first left, I became unchurched, thinking, I don't know what the journey is going to hold, but I'm going to trust this. And I'm so glad I did. But looking back over the past eight years at how much of my life has changed because I decided to accept this, because I decided that I wanted to look at Jesus with a new set of eyes. I wanted to see that his teachings were more about us being in community with one another than condemning us for falling short of a markers that we're never going to hit as humans anyway. There's so much, and I, I again, we're we're about thirty, we're over thirty minutes into this podcast anyway. But at another time, we can actually look at some of Jesus's teachings. For instance, when he talks about that which is in you is all, it, that which is in me is also in you, where he is literally letting us know that this spiritual essence is in both in, in both of us. Where he also talks about his Jewish faith, establishing what he he thought in times would look like, which really changes how we consider uh, revelations and things like that. And I just did a video on TikTok about that as well. 
if you want to go see that. But we can really start to to whittle down some of these teachings. But like I said, some of that takes us, that takes a little time. So we'll continue that somewhere down the line. There's a lot of uh, good content coming up in the next couple of weeks with our podcast. But here's something that I read at the mysticalchrist.org website. And I love this quote as well. Spiritual development requires action. Since it is nothing less than the reality of your being that you seek, you must bring your whole being to the task. This means that you must apply what you learn to your everyday life. No part of you can be left out. This is not something to acquire. It is becoming fully what you already are. So the path of the mystic is accepting that it's less about showing other people their mistakes. It's about admitting ours and working to fit them, to fix them, to repair them. It's less about making sure that our dogma, our rules, our theology is so rigid that everyone's going to fall short. It's less about that and more about being in communion with the divine being at one, what do we have to do with our physical selves to move ourselves closer into a mystical, holy, divine, spiritual experience? Sometimes what will happen is inside the realm of physical, what I, what I consider physical spirituality, or, or that happens a lot inside religion, is that we get distracted from our focus on, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Can't wait to get to heaven. Well, I don't think there's anything in scripture that confirms what you believe about heaven. And that focus can distract us from the work that I think we've been called here to do. And I think Jesus exemplified with his own life. I actually had someone tell me at the beginning of COVID that I, I was asking her about what she was telling her children. And she said, oh, they're fine because they know if they die, this was a se- seven and a 10 year old, I think. She, she said, if they die, they know they're going to go be with Jesus. So they don't care. Well, I can understand not living in fear, but the fact that you're going to go be unmasked that impacts everybody else just because you believe this. And it impacts how everybody else might live in community, especially after we're sitting here at over a half a million deaths here in America. That is an arrogant position to reflect your faith back to the world. You can believe that as much as you want about heaven, even though I I disagree with that, that theology. You can believe that if you want, but to the extent it impacts other people around you, then that becomes a problem. So heaven distracted this person to the point that she did not realize how distracted she had come or detached she had come to humanity and how we show up when all we see with Jesus was his desire to be in community with the broken, the poor, the hurting, those who needed his presence. And yet from this person, such a callous, careless response to, on the other side of it, something that became very deadly. 
And so we have to be careful about that's that's a really good marker for any of us to sit at any time. And that doesn't mean it's exclusive to just somebody sitting inside religion. That kind of arrogance can happen to any one of us at any time. We can be sitting out here and thinking that we've got everything figured out. Then all of a sudden we don't. That's our first sign that we have entered into an arrogant realm of spirituality. It still can happen to anybody. It doesn't require church attendance to make that happen. So that's a a great marker that maybe part of your spiritual practice should be where in my life have I figured out something so smugly that I'm not seeing the truth for what it is? And how is that impacting my spiritual growth? How is that impacting my desire to move into a mystical union with the divine? And so those are, those are questions that you could easily ask yourself, then, then pause and receive awareness, receive wisdom in that, in that contemplative time. So when I speak of something that is indicative of a mystical view of spirituality, whether it's interfaith or interspiritual or the unknowing elements of God, I often will get somebody who will say, yeah, but, yeah, but. Do you believe Jesus is the only way? Do you believe Jesus was resurrected? Did do you believe in the creation story that the earth is only 6 years old, 6000 years old? Do you believe that you're a Christian? Like here I've made this video and I've shared my insight. I'm connecting with the people I want. Then someone else wants to come in and say, "Yeah, but do you believe these things?" Well, first of all, I'm not obligated to take my my personal journey and make it fit into your questions and make it where you are creating a conditional faith. I'm not obligated. I let that go when I left evangelical Christianity. So I'm not going to allow it to circle back in and make that conditional. And I also believe that those who are seeking inspiration and insight from what we're doing here don't need me to answer those questions because all you're looking for is a way that makes sense to you to trip me up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. I've already, I've already done that. So what that also means is you're also checking off on your list. Well, will I fit into your Christian club? And I can tell you right now, I'm not but you don't have to worry. I'm not going to darken your doorstep at your church. You're good there. We're, we're okay. All I'm saying is you're not the gatekeeper and you can't kick me out of the Christian club, whether you, you want to or not. But the whole purpose of bringing that up is that it's very important for any one of us, whether you are looking at trying to walk this mystical path, are you getting distracted by that kind of uh, person who wants to condemn you? Because those questions are really unanswerable unless you're going to answer them in the way that they want you to. So if if that's something that's going to distract you, you might need to figure out what elements of you still feel like you're accountable to that. Or the other way to look at that is, are you doing that? Are you doing that to someone else in your life? So anytime that something like that arrives for me, And I look at the question and I go, well, first of all, I'm not obligated to answer that. So I'm okay there, but am I doing that to someone else in my life? And whether it's, whether it's spiritually related, faith related, or just in, 
in community, am I holding someone accountable for a belief system I have that's not their truth? So anytime we come up against something like this, especially for those of us who are seeking a mystical experience and and attempting to walk this mystical path, there's always a chance for insight and inspiration. It's always a chance for us to take a mirror and look up at our own lives. And if you'll notice, I don't call myself a mystic. I, I say I'm walking a mystical path. I don't feel deserving of that. I don't feel like that's something that's attainable in some ways. Um, so, but I'm not saying that you can't call yourself one. I'm not saying not, you can give your, whatever label fits you is, and that feels right to you. Then you wear that honorably, just do what you need to do. So I always say I'm, I'm, I'm walking a a mystical path. So what I would rather look at, instead of looking at these questions of, do you believe Jesus is the only way Jesus was, you know, do you believe Jesus was erected? Do you believe the earth is 6,000 years old? What if I looked at it like this? What is, what are, what am I asked? What am I being invited to consider about Jesus's physical or the spiritual realm of Jesus existence? What's there that I can aspire to learn that's connected to my own life. That's an, I'm not, I'm not going to argue the inarguable in that situation where a place where you're making a condition about how I show up, but what can I know about Jesus in my life based on his story, the entirety of his story? So what is his life? Where am I hung up about the entirety of a life experience, but also about death? There's so many things that we can learn about Jesus's story. That's not about the yes, no, up, down, black, white, left, right. We can just stay in the story and not have to feel like we got to be rigid about what we believe and what we don't believe. Because whether or not, I want you to hear this, you will find many Christians on opposite ends of the spectrum who still call themselves Christians that do not take the resurrection story literal and those who do, but they're Christians, whether you like it or not. That's, that's the entirety. That's the reality. What does the virgin birth reveal about our acceptance of miracles? We don't have to get into a debate. We don't have to argue the inarguable. The question is, how does that move us into an experience of accepting that miracles can happen? And I believe they do. What does the crucifixion story reveal about our own fears, about our, our, our own pain in our life and how we have been, maybe have been betrayed What are we still carrying with us from those who have harmed us? What do we fear about about dying? There is so much we can learn there. A mystic believes that if we debate the undebatable, we have lost our way. We are focusing on the things that separate us instead of the higher elements of spirituality that actually unite us. So we have a choice to believe that we are in control and use that control to inflict fear with our power or believe that we are, we're never in control and use that knowledge to move us closer to an experience that more resembles the life of Christ than the life in church. 
I have one quote for you, and we're going to be closing this up. Julian of Norwich, who was a mystic, lived uh, the late 14th, early 15th century. She said, between God and the soul, there is no between. Between God and the soul, there is no between. That's universal. That's, that's all of humanity. That statement says it all. So dear ones, if the focus of our spirituality is to prove another human is damned to hell, then we have lost the focus of our spirituality. Our focus should be higher. It should be for the good of the whole. And blessed be and amen. Now, like I said, in future episodes, we'll go into more detail about specific scriptures where we can talk about Jesus. But today was an invitation to to just pull back the veil of mysticism. I encourage you to read about some of the Christian mystics. Julian of Norwich is one of them, Marcus Borg. There's many others. I'll put a a link to a, a book that's called The Christian Mystics that has quotes from many of them. And I would encourage you to read that book as well. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you. I pray that you receive something. I know that I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and that you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved. Just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I will see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!